Just because you're on the roster doesn't mean you should be too comfortable with your position. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, what are we? We are free, and we really do appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't done so yet, don't know why, you can become a subscriber for free by just clicking that button. And also, if you like the show, don't forget to hit that like button. It means a whole heck of a lot. And to all of you who have already become a subscriber, I always like to say thank you so very, very, very much before we get started. All right, so players are moving in. And as we've seen, once Lincoln Riley became head coach, players are moving on. The transfer portal makes this process really easy. And, you know, I've talked about it. I think this is the way college rosters are going to be uh, put together, facilitated going forward. High school recruiting will still be a part of it, but you know what? I would say right now, maybe 60% of your class will be high school recruits, the balance. You can use that transfer portal. And I can see that high school number even getting smaller as uh, coaching staffs figure out how to truly maximize uh, that portal and how to be effective with it. So I guess it's it's easier to um, to use the transfer portal than, than to ask players to switch positions. Would that be fair? The way, uh, the, the way Lincoln Riley seems to use it, it, it would seem to seem that way. You know, on yesterday's episode, I quickly went through uh, some of the spring spring camp prospectus that USC released. Um, and that included, you know, the jersey numbers and weights and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, it also highlighted some position switches uh, that are taking place during spring camp. Corey Foreman and Devin Tompkins are two names uh, specifically uh, who are moving from the rush end role to defensive line. Uh, Corey Foreman is now going to, I, I, I look. I guess the um, that rush end experiment experiment that they've been trying with him for the first two years, or, well at least last year with Alex Grinch. Um, that experiment is over. He's going to move into Sean Nua's room, and he's just gonna, he's going to put his hand in the dirt, head down, and play defense end. Go get the quarterback. Once the ball snapped, you've got one thing. Get into the backfield. Figure out how to do it. Um, Tuli Tuiapolotu, in his one year with Sean Nua, he literally went from <clears throat> five and a half sacks in 2021, and then he became the nation's leader with 13 and a half last year. So let's remember that Tooley wasn't as highly regarded as Foreman was coming out of high school. I wouldn't call him a, uh, a, a diamond in the rough 
or maybe that's a, a good way to describe him. He was a diamond in the rough. Not 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 necessarily a project, but someone who people anticipate would take some time to develop. And after four or five years, you know, he'd be a, a really good NFL prospect. Well, <laughs> three years later, after Thule arrived, he's a he's more than just a serviceable NFL prospect. He's probably a day two selection. And you never know, he, he could slide into day one if a team um, likes what he brings to the locker room. Uh, you know, he might not be your your combine type of guy, but what he does on the film during a game, it jumps out. So can Sean Nua have the same effect on Corey Foreman? You know, he was anticipated to be an impact player coming out of high school. This is his third year. This is when Corey was expected to be making the decision of, all right, you know, should I stay or should I go? But we were talking about going to the NFL. Now it's, the conversation has shifted. Should, should Corey stay at USC or, you know, is he one of those candidates to maybe jump into the transfer portal? So instead, now you've got Corey entering his junior year. He's trying to live up to, to those expectations that were heaped upon him by the recruiting um, gurus and those the, the networks that you know hand out stars like they're going out of style. And and again, you know, Thule wasn't expected to be a three-year guy and out. Corey Foreman was. So again, can can Nua have that same type of impact with Foreman in one year the way he had with with Thule? If he can, I mean, winner, winner, chicken dinner. He's got, remember, no one is denying that Corey Foreman has the tools and the physical natural abilities that, you know, that, that God gave him. So it's just a matter of him putting it all together. And maybe defensive end is the right spot for him. The other guy I mentioned at the top was Devin Tompkins. He's going to join uh, Corey with Sean Nua, moving from the rush end edge defender to the defensive line room. They're both I, they're both going to line up as a defensive end. So I guess there's really no distinction between edge defender and defensive end. Uh, the way USC likes to distinguish is you have a rush end position, you have a defensive line, defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle. So figure it out. Um, so here's a, let, let's put this in a, some context. And we're going to use Thule as the baseline here because of who he was when he arrived at USC and who he is <laughs> leaving. If Thule was a development type of guy, Devin Tompkins probably doesn't get recruited by the staff. Then again, maybe he does because his offer was still available um, when he signed his paperwork, when he, you know, signed his name on the dotted line and officially became a Trojan. Remember, it was mid-November of 2021 when Devin uh, committed to USC. And at the time, he was the only guy that you would uh, consider a front seven guy in that class. Uh, when he committed, Devin was six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds, and he was considered a rush end, an edge defender. Um, 
but he also played tight end in high school. He was, you know, he played both ways. But heading into his senior year, no one really knew who he was when it came to football. He was he was known as a for his basketball skills. So he's very athletic, very talented. Um, but he hadn't played a whole lot of football uh, since sixth grade. So junior and senior years when he decided, okay, let's 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 play both football and basketball in the same season. Now he's six foot five, two hundred and sixty pounds. And I said it um I brought this up a couple of times, but Devin's name was specifically mentioned by Lincoln Riley back in January um, as someone who the staff is really happy with his progression. So is he going to be one of those guys who Lincoln Riley talked about goes from being an unknown to all of a sudden by the time his career is over at USC, maybe an All-American? You know, it's funny when you think back to who USC had verbally committed and who decommitted before Riley was named coach. Uh, remember, Devin Tompkins stuck around. But Damani Jackson, the same week that Devin committed, Damani decommitted. Remember that five-star defensive tackle, Mikel Williams? He was a part of that USC class. I wonder, you know, I guess he could have came back once Lincoln Riley, you know, was named head coach. But at that point, I, I guess uh, he didn't have enough time to develop a relationship with Alex Grinch and the defensive staff. Uh, other names in that in that class that are no longer or who who never ended up becoming a USC Trojan: Devin Brown, quarterback. I believe he's at Ohio State. Jaden Gould, the defensive back. I think he finished. He ended up at Penn State. Ephesians Frysock, ASU or Arizona, one of those two schools. Uh, how about, here's another guy who stuck it out. And he was another Dante Williams guy. Uh, Fabian Ross. So he, along with Tompkins, you know, they survived, I guess we'll call it the initial house cleaning. Uh, that's been taking place since Lincoln Riley took over. And then you had wide receivers, Kevin Green, uh, and Caleb Douglas, offensive tackle Keith Olson, and then there was punter Atticus Bertrams. Not sure. We never really got a real clear story what happened there, but one Australian never made it. Aiden Sleep Dalton did make it. So here, look, there's going to be a few more position changes or switches um, that take place during spring camp. Um, what if the what if this these switching positions is really all it, it takes to make the defense better? You know, I brought up Devin Tompkins and Fabian Ross. Those are two guys who stuck it out. The staff, Lincoln Riley and the staff continue to believe in them. They're still part of the roster. Are we going to see more of them uh, this spring camp? Will they become part of the rotation? Because, look, I, I, I think it's easier to ask a player to change a position than it is to ask your coach to change his philosophy. So, basically, now you've got your defensive ends. Uh, they're going to be in that 250, 60-pound range up to 275. Um, 
Tyrone Tulaney is at 270. Jack Sullivan is checking in at 275. You've got Anthony Lucas at 295. And look, I'm using USC's officials athletic, USC's official athletic site and their designation. So these are the guys who are listed on defensive line and their weights accordingly. The Russians, USC lists Romello Height, Jamil Muhammad, Solomon Bird, Sam Green, and Garrett Pomerantz. And each of those guys, um, I think the heaviest guy in there is like 230. So there you go. But when I see, uh, when I get to see spring practice on Wednesday, I'll be able to see and tell you who's playing where and when with their position groups, or at least until uh, they ask us to leave. So there you go. Um, two position group, two positions, two players who are being asked to switch from rush end to defensive line. And uh, we're going to see, since they're going to be competing against each other, if Corey Foreman and Devin Tompkins have now found a home that best suits their abilities. I kind of just threw in those that those names, those other names from the recruiting class, just to kind of show you that there were some big time names in there that moved on. And who stuck it out? Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? You gotta go try Built Bar. Because if you're like me and you want to eat healthy, but you hate eating stuff that is healthy for you, then I've got something for you. You gotta try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. I mean, I'm being serious. They're really good. You're not even gonna know they're good for you. And what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, what do I say? They're made with 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in some really awesome flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar. And they do it while maintaining what they call macros. In those macros, you're going to only get 130 calories, but and you're only going to get four grams of sugar, but you're going to get a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even have to wait for them. You don't have to order them online. Just head on over to Sam's Club or Walmart. You can pick up a four-bar four bar box of their cookies and cream, their double chocolate, or their coconut puffs if you're near Walmart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. If you like them, you can thank me later. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What I want to do, because it's that time of the show, I want to thank all my listeners and viewers for making Locked On USC their first listen every day. I also want to make sure you check out our brand new podcast, 
Locked on College Basketball, right in the middle of March Madness. Might as well check it out. They're going to have everything you need to know about college basketball. It's all in one place. Plus, you're going to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and from the players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Okay, if you had to choose three players from each side of the ball to prove themselves by the end of the spring, who would you choose? I'm going to start with two guys who are battling for starting starting off offensive tackle spot. Excuse me. Um, I think everybody knows who I'm going here. Cortland Ford and Mason Murphy. Just to remind everybody, last year, Cortland started and finished the season as USC's starting left tackle. Mason Murphy started in place of Ford at left tackle, and he also started at right tackle. <clears throat> now, Ford, he also battled injury last year. He also battled weight issues, some of which weren't really his issue, really his fault. Um, Mason, he was inconsistent, and by the end of the year, uh, Cortland had reclaimed his starting left tackle spot and had essentially replaced Mason ahead of him. So, like last year, uh, Lincoln Riley, he brought in Bobby Haskins to challenge for that left tackle spot. This year, uh, Lincoln Riley and Josh Henson, uh, the offensive coordinator, who was also the offensive line coach, uh, they brought in three guys in the transfer portal with experience, and all three of those guys are anticipated to start. So can Ford win back the starting left tackle spot? I mean, the writing's on the wall. Or, I mean, is it is it Kingston's already? I mean, that's the question. Is it Kingston Jarrett's? Jared Kingston's, excuse me, the transfer from Washington State. Now, he can play inside, but again, he came over from Washington State. He's got 26 um, starts under his belt. And even when he went down with an injury at the end of the year, he was still voted by his peers all-conference. So it kind of feels like last year, as I mentioned, the writing is on the wall. And it's even more so this year when you bring in three guys with starting experience. Um, I mean, are either Ford or Murphy going to look? I, neither guy is just going to wait around for another year while the transfers take their preferential treatment consideration and uh, protect Caleb Williams because. That window for USC to get to the playoffs with Caleb Williams is closing inch by inch or less than that every single day of this calendar year. He's gone after the season. So you have to ask yourself, you know, Cortland Ford is a fourth-year junior. This will be Mason's third year in the program. He'll be a redshirt sophomore. By now, 
your coach knows what you are, who you are. And that's taking the consideration that, you know, offensive line guys take longer to develop. So both of these guys are going to have 15 practices to kind of claim that they're still the guys. Mason Murphy, uh, whether he's going to challenge for left tackle with Cortland Ford and Jared Kingston, I don't know. I think Mason Murphy is going to be challenged for that right tackle spot uh, by Michael Tarquin, who also transferred in from Florida. He also has a lot of starting experience. Little footnote. His father-in-law is Tony Baselli, former Trojan great. I don't know how much that'll weigh into the coach's decision as far as who plays, but I know if uh, if Tony was my father-in-law, I sure as hell wouldn't want to disappoint him. I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to earn that starting right tackle spot. And then, obviously, Ethan White was the third transfer who is being uh, slotted to play inside at guard, most likely left guard. So there you go. Those two guys have on offensive line, they've got 15 practices this spring to say, hey, Coach Henson, Coach Riley, we're the guys. We, I appreciate the fact that you brought these guys in to, to compete and to help you know, iron sharpens iron and to make me better. But here we go. This is my spot. The third guy in offense, I'm going with uh, Ray Leak Brown. I mean, is it too soon to put him on the prove it or move it list? He's only going to be a true sophomore. But, you know, there's early reports out that he's going to be seeing more time at wide receiver, at least in the spring. And Brown, you know, let's not forget, Rayleigh Brown initially committed to Riley at Oklahoma, and then he flipped to USC. Um, and it was clear at that point that you know Riley really liked all was really liked all the ways he he can consider using Rayleigh in his offense. And there's no doubt about it, Rayleigh was looking forward to getting the ball as many times as possible in open space. So with Austin Jones returning at running back and Marshawn Lloyd coming over from little USC, South Carolina, uh, those two guys should anticipate seeing the bulk of the carries at running back. I know I do. Um, and then let's not forget Darwin Barlow and you've got the two freshman running backs, Quentin Joyner and Marion Peterson. So Ray Leak, if he's going to see touches, it's going to be hard to take those touches away from the running back spot when you've got Austin Jones and, and Lloyd. Maybe you line him up in the slot. That's a way to get him the ball in open space. But then don't forget, you've got, you know, Zachariah Branch, who's already going to be out there, the freshman free phenom, a natural wide receiver. Mario Williams, Taj Washington, Michael Jackson III, those guys are there. So Rayleigh needs to make that freshman to sophomore jump uh, in the spring. And mostly it's with his decision-making. It's not so much with his talent. His skill set is there. 
getting him the ball in open space, I think, will open up his abilities. But in the spring, he needs to show that he's made that, that um, not just the physical uh, jump, but also the maturity jump from freshman to sophomore. I'm going to talk about three guys on defense in our next segment. But first, we're going to talk about FanDuel. We're at the midway point of the NBA season. It's here, and so now it really is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because as a new customer, you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Loser, you're actually a winner. So just go ahead, download that FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's really super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores to who's making the most threes in the game. If you're a prop bet guy, they got all that for you. And <clears throat> with FanDuel, it lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel forward slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's get into the defense here in this last segment. There's plenty of names to choose from on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm going to try and go with three guys that are that are going to play, but they really need to solidify their roles. I'm going to start with Rajon Davis at linebacker. Shane Lee, Eric Gentry, Mason Cobb. Those guys are going to play. Uh, they, those were the guys that Lincoln Riley and Grinch specifically added through the transfer portal uh, because they didn't like what they saw on the roster when they got there. Garrison Madden, uh, he used his redshirt year last year to, to get bigger in the weight room. And Chris Thompson, uh, Chris Thompson Jr., he was learning the linebacker role uh, when, he's, when he moved up from safety. He only ended up playing in four games. And then you've got the high school linebacker phenom, Tack Curtis, who's waiting in the wings. Rajon is a true junior. And it doesn't look like father time is slowing down for him. So, you know, after having a really strong Cotton Bowl, he essentially, he's got 15 practices uh, to solidify his spot and to take himself out of that 50-50 club that Lincoln Riley talks about, where if you leave it up to the coaching staff to make a decision, sometimes they're going to get it wrong. Well, Lincoln Riley admitted in January he might have waited too long to to give Rajon his chance. Well, we saw what he can do. He needs to carry that over. Again, they brought over some guys in the transfer portal this year. Rajon, you got 15 practices to really solidify your spot in the rotation. Damani Jackson. He doesn't necessarily have to prove his physical abilities. He needs to prove that he can stay healthy. The guys, the guys who are on the team themselves, 
and I don't know if this makes it more difficult or if this it gives the guys their bodies a chance to rest. I'm not sure what side of the fence I fall on this. I still prefer going 15 practices straight through without a break, but they're going to have three practice sessions and then they take off for spring break and they come back for practice on the 21st. So from the 9th on until they come back to the 21st, they're off. Can he survive the spring without needing any additional time off is the question for me to Damani Jackson. His durability really isn't a red flag yet, but it, it, at least for me, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, maybe last year was just a fluke. I'm hoping. But it, I seem to remember having some nagging injuries when he was at modern day as well. His durability, again, it's, it's not a red flag, but it's something just to kind of keep an eye on. And I also want to see if he can slide inside to the nickel spot since that cornerback spot is so deep. Uh, remember, you got Jacoby Covington, who was a starter at the end of last year. And Christian Roland Wallace is expected to step into Makai Blackman's role. And then you have Sia Wright. Speaking of Sia Wright, last year he started the season at cornerback opposite Makai Blackman. By the end of the year, though, he was a backup. Sear has it all. He's got the size and the speed to play cornerback. He's twitchy. He's got fluid hips. He's by by no means is he stiff. I mean, he he was chosen to be the starter at the beginning of last year. But also Damani Jackson was on track to start before his injuries got in the way. Just saying. <clears throat> now. Um, Sierra had some really, he had some good games, uh, at the beginning of the year, but at, as the year wore on, he started to struggle, especially when the opposition attacked the side of the field, especially, uh, with the run game. So I, I don't, I, I think Sierra has gotten bigger. I, I believe, uh, the, I think he added at least 10 pounds during these, this off season heading into spring. So that's going to be a benefit, but this is what I is it's sticking out in my mind. It's great that he's, you know, he's adding weight. That's going to help him in the run support. But by the time USC played Notre Dame, Utah in the conference championship game and in the Cotton Bowl, Wright was a he was a backup. So to say that he fall he fell out of favor with uh, Grinch and and his position coach Dante Williams and the head coach Lincoln Riley who's to say what we can say is the staff were were playing other players ahead of Sierra but remember it was Dante Williams who questioned Sierra's commitment to football before Sierra ended up starting eventually uh Covington took over that starting role opposite Blackman. So what's going to happen in 2023? Again, he's got 15 practices to, to lock down that starting spot again. Uh, he wasn't bad in 2022, but I don't know. It's almost like he, he hit the ceiling. Uh, 
maybe he can bust through it by gaining a little extra weight, being a little bit stronger physically. Mentally, he's there. And I, I think uh, if you want to question his coverage skills, I think he just needs to trust uh, trust his own abilities to uh, to look for the ball at the right time. It's a lot of things freshmen struggle with is is when they see the back of the wide receiver's jersey, um, they just go into chase mode and they kind of forget their technique. We'll see if he makes that jump. All right, there we is. Another episode of Locked on USC. It's in the books. Talked about the offense. We talked about defense. We talked about position switches. There's a lot to talk about in spring camp. We're going to talk about it more because Locked on USC comes at you five days a week. And I really do want to say thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Don't forget to check out Locked on College Basketball. And then when you're done making them your second listen, head on over to WeRSC.com because a lot of good content. Scott Schrader is throwing up some really cool recruiting nuggets. He's been talking to uh, Dylan Rayola after his trip to USC. He's been talking to a lot of players who... uh, who visited USC over the weekend. So you want to go check that out. And I'll uh, I'll glean some info out of that and bring it over here as well. But again, what I talked to you about, I can tell you over here is for free. And that's what makes Locked on USC so great. So until our next episode, everyone, you know what to do.